0: Welcome to Rich in Relationship, and today I have a very special guest, Carmela Bennett, who is one of the most awesome therapists I know. And let me tell you first what I love about you, Carmela. Are you ready for this?
1: I'm ready, I'm ready.
0: I, first, actually, how are you?
1: I, You know what, I'm well. I, I'm- Little di- little self-disclosure, I got it. my first hair- COVID haircut today. So it's like the little things, right? All these little things that we're dealing with, they just feel like events and, and really special.
0: So. Yeah, no, you definitely celebrate the small victories today because because yeah. that's yeah. what we got for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I love about Carmela uh, Bennett. Carmela <laughs> Bennett. Car-Benna Car- Bellett. Carmela yes. Bennett. What I love about Carmela Bennett is she's... Super educated, right? Like she's she knows her stuff. She knows her psych theory. She's grounded in that, right? So she's got a great mind, but she also has like this huge heart, which is why I have her on the show. She loves people and everybody that I know of that she's worked with rages about how awesome she is. And that's why Carmela's on the show, and she's also an expert in mind-body practices, and I'm hoping that we're going to frame these in the context of building intimacy in a relationship, or how not having them might take you the other way. How's that sound?
1: Sounds good to me, and it sounds right on.
0: So <laughs> tell us about mind-body practices, interaction, synergy.
1: Um, do you want to know? how I got into it, and then I, that will help you understand, like, is that part
0: of can that's, I start that yeah, way. That's what, that's what I would normally ask, so let's go there.
1: All right. Well, no, no, I, I, I let's, think... Let's um, start over.
0: What drew you into the world of psychotherapy?
1: I got into the world of psychotherapy um, in this circuitous, but intentionally, subconsciously intentional way. Um, when I was a little kid, I was um, extremely shy. I was so shy that, yeah. that um, I had a hard time like speaking up and a really hard time speaking to adults. Mm. And um, so like teachers, um I also was brought up in a fairly what you could say is a fairly rigid household mm-hmm. family, right? And so there was my personality shyness and then the family structure was um, you there was a lot of tension there was a, um, a fair amount of anger that was um, that would go on and so that being shy it shut me down even more you know so I was really I really learned into um, being quiet and fearful about about being seen and um, uh, at the same time, I was, I, when I went to school, I saw this like, people would talk to each other and I, and I could feel how difficult it was for me. And then when I was about seven, my parents took me to um, a, a dance, a production of The Nutcracker at Christmas time. Yeah. And, yeah, and I remember it still. It was in Saratoga, Saratoga. I don't
0: think any kid ever forgets the first time of The Nutcracker, so I totally get that. Yeah. So Saratoga.
1: But I, but I, what I saw, what I was, was this, like, I remember the lighted stage and the music Mm -hmm. and the movement. And it was like this life, right? I saw this amazing, um, what I couldn't describe as life, but it was, it was like all this aliveness. And I, and I wanted that. And I would, then I asked my parents if I could go take dance class. Mm -hmm. And um, so they, they let me take dance class. And when I would what i discovered was when i was in class i could actually do different things i felt differently i felt bigger i didn't say it that way back then right cool oh. yeah but i like i could like dance and i could like be bigger and um and i loved it and and then i would kind of leave dance class and i'd go back and kind of be smaller and but i would there was something about it that like okay how do you be different like i felt different Mm-hmm. The dance class and I would talk to my like the other kids in class and, and and I was really excited and I loved performing and um and so there was something there and so um I took dance I've always taken dance I still do and awesome. um yeah and so then you know I I just distinctly remember dance and movement like took me in different places emotionally than I could ever be and so Um, I just kept, I kept doing it throughout high school and and college. And then when I got into, um, I was so curious about, well, how can people be different, right? How can you change? Mm -hmm. The other dynamic was course was how can families, because I grew up with a lot of, um, there was a lot of tension in my, you know, my family, my, my father was pretty tough. He was a tough guy. He was tough emotionally. And, and I just remember over and over saying, I want that to be different. Like, there's got to be a different way. Mm-hmm. Like, there has to be a different um, way to be in a family. And when I have a family, I want it to be different than this. And um, happier and more open and people talking to each other. Yeah. And, and so anyway, um, I went to, to grad school. I was like, okay, let me do psychology, <laughs> right? That would be the way to do it and And, um, so I got all the theory and I started to um, to practice, but at the same time, um I was always drawn to the creative parts of therapy. Uh-huh. we started out working with an art therapist, and she and I started to do i started to like to do movement stuff, and she was doing art stuff with kids, which is really natural, right, right. so um from there, it just kept building and And it was always a a body piece for me. Like, okay, the body has has got to be included here somehow. Along the way, I developed, I trained into more theory and and language and, and really how to practice that with people. And it's made all the difference because what I've discovered, as many people have, is that we can talk and talk and talk, right? Like you can talk forever and nothing necessarily changes. You can develop more awareness but sometimes the emotional sets or the emotional patterns don't shift a lot in a lasting way.
0: Yeah, you know? no, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So anyway. Well,
0: actually, for me, I'm thinking about for me, like you're talking, like, well, was there something like that for me? And yeah, for me, I, I went, I changed schools around ninth grade and decided I was going to play football. And I went to like this really sort of low key, not competitive school before that, but I, it, that somehow going to go play this super aggressive sport uh, was going to be this turning point for me. And it, it was quite a turning point in some ways, but um, you know, I hadn't really thought about how th- that decision that I was going to go and do something with my body that was going to channel all those feelings that I had been sitting on for years and years and that, you know, an adolescence are really bubbling up yeah. had really been a turning point in so many ways. Yeah.
1: So
0: it sounds like this, this is still core to your work.
1: It is core to my work. And um, I've done a lot of training since uh, um, that my, the I got my master's degree and um, there is a body work that specifically um, trains this. Not a lot of people, practitioners uh, tend to do it. Um, although more people, more practitioners connect it with doing like trauma work. And there's uh-huh. there's more um, understanding of that, and I do do that. So I'm getting um, credentialed in somatic experiencing, mm-hmm. which is specifically about working um, with trauma through the body, mm-hmm. because the body is where we actually hold trauma. Yeah, so we well, it's where
0: we hold all our feelings. I mean, I think a lot of times when we talk about feelings, we talk about, we, t- we talk about them like it's something that's happening in our brain, or maybe we connect it with our heart, but my understanding is that we can store our feelings anywhere yeah. Um, and whether, you know, whether it's a feeling or whether it's an intense I- traumatic experience. So yeah, I totally yeah. get that.
1: Yeah. And how, and, how does this
0: show up in your work? How, and, and particularly, because this is rich in relationship, um, how does this impact relationships?
1: Well, I think the, the two major ways are, um, one is that as sensing machines, right? Our, our as a human being, we're um, a sensing organism. So we're constantly sensing our our surroundings and it's this is like primarily an unconscious process, right? But it's that part of our brain, the that limb, limbic system brain, that's mm-hmm. actually um, operating at all times underneath the radar, right? We focus on these thoughts in our head, right? Oh, that's what's going on. There's this thing that's happening at every second, right? That's keeping us alive, right? Yeah. And so that sensing, that sign, um, uh, that sensing brain is all through our body, so every part of us actually there's um, uh, neurons that extend and go back up to the brain. But as a sensing organism, as a, a sensing being, right, what it's primed to do is to sense relationships, to sense people. Like, is this a, a fr- is this a foe or a friend or foe? Right? Is this is this safe to enter into? And and so with in relationships. Um, we as the more we're with somebody the more those unconscious cues get primed so we're not thinking so much about like um every single thing they say or do because it's already registered
0: right it's It's happening on an unconscious level
1: yeah and so a lot of them it can be tone of voice right tone somebody's tone of voice that that can be very triggering um and and it may not be the necessarily the fault of the partner, but it could be something that gets triggered in you that's historical. Mm-hmm. So like you, you hear something or you hear a word or you hear a phrase or you see like a, a, um, an expression on somebody's face or you just sense the tension or the something from your partner and you react.
0: And I would imagine those reactions, we might, if we were conscious or cognizant of it or if we attempted to be conscious of it, we might even locate it somewhere in our body. Like I know, for me, for example, if I get fearful or angry, I, I'll it'll I'll feel it right down here in my lower belly. It'll that's the first place. If I get really angry, I might get it up. I might, yeah. you know, yeah. right. It might go there. But often I'm not paying attention to that. I just know that you know from from making a conscious effort to to notice that. Yeah. All right. So we've got these places where we have emotional reactions in our bodies. Yeah. And uh, how, what do we do about it? I mean, we've got these, this mad um, survival part of our mind that's always looking, looking, looking. And for the crazy thing, what's running that survival mind are all these stored feelings from, you were talking about your childhood. I can tell stories from my childhood and you okay. probably react to different things than I do because we both grew up differently. How do we, what's the connection between those stored feelings and those reactions? and you know what can we start to do about it
1: so it, it's not just negative right no um,
0: so i hope just, not. <laughs>
1: no it's it's not just problematic we also sense positive feelings we sense you know is this a safe loving right being is this a, is this relationship feel you know um are we in sync right and so we can when we um as you say locate right i when i'm working with an individual in in a couple I help them locate what the fe- where that feeling is, and it usually is historical, right? And they can identify it as what it is, rather than "I feel like," which is not a feeling. <laughs> right? I feel like um, I don't. I'm I'm really angry when it actually could be fear.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, anger could be re- really just be a covered feeling. Absolutely.
1: Uh, right, and so anger is is, ordin- is usually sometimes a secondary emotion right a lot of times and so it's really helpful to um locate what's the actual the feeling underneath that mm-hmm. because so when you as an as a as an individual understand it you can also communicate that to your partner so oftentimes the mis- the misunderstandings you know especially when there's a lot of conflict i know rich you work with a lot of conflict
0: yeah, I've been known. I've been known to work with a lot of conflict. Yeah.
1: and in relationships that are conflicted, right? Yeah. And so, and so,
0: and actually, before you go, the biggest challenge for me often is being in the presence of other people's conflict and noticing that I'm being triggered and not having that reaction impact how I'm working with people. So, yeah, that's that's. I think that's part of what we're talking about here is we can have, we can be triggered, we can experience fear, or we can, or even anger but it doesn't mean that what comes out of our mouth or what we project out has to be that.
1: Right, yeah, and so it's, it's one of the first steps is um, to regulate an emotion is to identify it, right? And so and identifying it in words is one way, but, I, but locating it physiologically is really powerful because I, as I said, oftentimes what we believe the feeling is, is sometimes it's a thought, like I feel like um, you do this all the time. That's not a feeling, right? Yeah. What, right? What you're, what you're, there's a the feeling is. I, I actually
0: and, think there's a whole generation that's grown up with. I feel like what's happening is it's no, no, no. Feelings are mad, yeah. glad, sad, or afraid, yeah. or there's subcategories of that. I've spent I've spent years saying that to my children, and they're just like, oh, sh- you don't know, you don't understand. This is just how we talk.
1: Yeah, but it's but it's misleading because what we. We hear ourselves talking. We hear ourselves, whatever we language. We hear ourselves, and so we believe that we're talking about feelings too, and we're not, right? And so there's a whole like numbing out of I don't. A lot of times, I'm sure you probably experience when you ask uh, somebody or a couple how you feeling, and they say "Uh, I don't know. I'm fine. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) That's
0: not that's not what they're presenting, but they're fine. So So
1: I'm good. Good.
0: So you've got you know you're working with somebody and they've got some history going on. How do you how do you work with them to release that feeling? Not just like think they want to release it, but really feel and and let it go so that it becomes less impactful or not impactful. Though I I wonder how possible that is.
1: Um, it is possible, and what's possible is um, is self regulation. Right, is really the process of um, becoming. Feeling safe on the inside, right? So when we're able to self-regulate, we're when we're activated, let me put start it that way. When we're activated, right? Um, we don't feel safe on the inside. Whatever whatever it is, it's like we're we're afraid or we're angry or we feel something threatened or disappointed, and so our nervous system is like on firing, 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 firing. There's a threat here. There's a threat here. Something's wrong. So what we want to do um, is to activate um, the parasympathetic nervous system. And so what, what happens is, is an, an internal sense of safety. So when, like for example, Rich, if, if, if you were just having like a really nice conversation like you and I are having, there's no, there's no threat, it's, it's comfortable, I feel grounded, I'm, um, you know, and, and able to talk to you openly, and I feel safe couples who are in conflict do not feel safe No. Each other. And so the way to, it, it's a parallel process, right? Because-
0: It's interesting because when they're working with someone, they need to feel safe enough to share their conflict, but they don't, they definitely, it's a kind of a funny thing. They need to feel safe enough to have the conflict from another person, but they still don't feel safe in each other's presence, which is a, which is a whole nother thing. Right.
1: Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure, I think actually when people are sharing the conflict with someone else, it's what feels safer is that um, they're not triggered because they're not, it, the, um, it, it's not so intense, right? We get really activated by people we really, really care about or some, when, we're, when the risk is really, really high, right? If I'm married to you or if I'm in a relationship, okay, the risk is pretty high here. There's a lot, there's a lot at stake, Right, we can sort of neutralize more with, um, in the presence of a therapist um, who is non—we know they're non-judgmental, they're open. We can sense that okay, it's safe, and and that's exactly a great example of like when we're not safe, then we're either going to shut down, right? I'm, I'm not talking about it, right? Or like I'm going to throw it throw it at you. I'm going to throw it all on you, right? but when we can actually um, really feel safe inside, which it can, is a practice like of grounding and centering. And um, then we're actually able to talk even in conflict about what's upsetting you or the, the, the make a repair in the relationship, right? Or um, express what bothered you or what hurt you, you know, but we're, without blaming or getting defensive or criticizing.
0: Super cool. Super yeah. cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Um so what are some as we wrap this up, what are some quick tips that you would give people to help manage the, you know that the, or become maybe it's even just become more aware of the the feeling body connection.
1: Yeah. Um so some simple cues, right? Um you mentioned when um activation is a cue right so we can we feel ourselves getting whatever we get anxious or we're getting angry which is you know and so one thing we can do we can start to pay attention to what's happening on in your physiology right your heartbeat starts to go faster right you're, you stop breathing a lot of times you're not breathing as much that's a cue so, so the first
0: thing is notice the physical cues
1: yeah, just what we'll just notice what's happening with you, right? So self awareness is huge.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's real really important because so often what happens is we a feeling comes up very quickly and very intensely, and we just let it take us. Uh, and and it's, by the time we're in the process of being taken by the feeling, it's too late to notice cues at that point because now we're on a roller coaster ride that we don't control.
1: Right, because so then, it's hard then, to then notice it's, the
0: cues so that you can so you go, oh oh I'm on the t- I'm about to get on the roller coaster.
1: Yes, yes, and that's what happens. Like the override, right? Is your limbic system is already taken over, and is for those sciency people, what's happened is this part of your brain is totally shut off. It's offline, and that's when people say things they don't really mean, right? They yell at each other. They call people names. They they get really angry, and then later it's like, oh wow, I really said that, you know, and they get say some really damaging. Or, or
0: even worse, later they try and justify it because they don't want to admit that they were totally out of control and then it just builds and builds. Yeah. So I know from personal experience, some tips that could really help people with that are like mindfulness, meditation and prayer that the studies show that that takes us out of our amygdala and into another part of our brain that, that's less driven by emotion. Um, are, are there any other, so first is notice the cue. Yeah. The second is maybe get some practices in your life, which is never easy. As, uh, am I missing anything out there in the world? No, I mean. Call in, in, Carl Carmela.
1: Right, but in the moment, in the moment, what you can actually do is like, you know, take a deep breath in and like exhale, take a really, you know, and all the way down through your belly. And if you're going to like in the moment, if you notice yourself getting so activated, like what you described is like flooding, right? And we get so flooded with emotions. There's been research done that shows that when people's heart rate, um, starts to get over a hundred beats a minute, it's time to take a break. Like there's research. we've all got
0: these fancy watches now, so we, yeah. <laughs> we can But if you're
1: that. like if if you're getting that activated, so you can feel that, right?
0: I, I recently read that if you take a deep breath and blink three times very intentionally, one, two, three, that that actually gives your amygdala, a message that it's safe, and it starts to go from DEPCON 5 down, which I, I didn't believe until I tried it. And I was like, wow, that really works. And I guess it, the metaphor, or maybe it's not a metaphor, maybe it's if you were in the jungle, and there were a tiger in front of you, there's no way you would blink intentionally three times. You know? right. so, so you're te- basically telling your mind it's okay. So Carmela, by the way,
1: if you- I give you one more? I'll give you one more. No, so yeah, go ahead. So, um, in the moment, um, two things you can do is like put your attention into your feet. Mm-hmm. Like, like put, you don't have to look there, but get into the practice of like, okay.
0: Start rolling my feet.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna feel down into your feet, and then actually um, your breathing will slow down and, and soften your jaw. Like, so if you do, like, you can do those two things in the, in the moment, which are pretty, usually you can do, right? If you practice attention down to your feet, really feel the like ground underneath your feet. You're, um you start to feel centered and grounded, and then relax your jaw relax and one way to think about that is like loosen your tongue in your mouth, just relax your tongue in your mouth. It's really hard to be angry <laughs> It is really hard to be angry if you're when you do that yeah Got so it. thats yeah so their self regulation is going to regulate the system
0: We're almost out of time. I want to make sure that people can find you. What is the best way for people to locate carmela bennett
1: um I have a website uh, at www.carmellabennett.com. Easy.
0: And that'll um, be in the notes for the podcast.
1: Yeah. And I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not on that that much. So the best way are those two ways. Um, I'm doing teletherapy now. So uh, anybody who's interested, I also have in my signature line, if you shoot me an email, there's a line for my calendar and you can sign up for um, an initial consult um, right there.
0: Awesome, and one last question. What is the legacy you'd like to leave behind?
1: Yeah, that's a, um, you know, I heard, I guess it's something like, um, you know, she made mistakes, um, but she really cared.
0: You do really care. It's one of the things I love about you.
1: Yeah, she was humid um, and she made mistakes, but she really cared.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And maybe we can have you back on again and have a wonderful afternoon.
1: Thanks, Rich. You too.